Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think I got it. Well done. Thank you very much. Goodness. You do remind me of my daughter. Oh, really? Yes. Only her hair is darker. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. here, take your handkerchief. You're sad. You're so sad and there's no need to be. <sighs> My sister's psychic. She wants you to know. I've seen her. And she wants you to know that she's happy. I've seen your little girl. Sitting between you and your husband and... And she was laughing. Yes. Oh, yes, she's with you. She's with you, my dear. And she's laughing. I'm sorry if we're dead. She's wearing a, a shiny little Mac. Christine. Oh, but she's laughing. She's laughing. She's happy as can be. Hello and welcome to Book vs. Movie. This is a podcast where we read books that have been adapted into movies and then we try to decide which we like better, the book or the movie. I am Margot P. of ColoniaBook.com and this is my good friend and co-host Margot D. of Brooklyn Fitchick. Hi everyone. It's finally October, although I am still wearing sundresses uh, here in California. <laughs> but um, but but that doesn't mean we don't get to be spooky around here. If you are new to book versus movie, yes, this is a podcast where we um, we talk about movies that have been adapted from books. But when the pandemic started, we decided to do a brand new episode every single week. And that means that sometimes we are doing shorter literary sources. Sometimes it's a novella like we're going to be talking about today or a magazine article or a song, literally any literary source. If it was made into a movie, we will consider it, which means we are always looking for ideas, which means if you have ideas, you can share them with us in a couple of different places on the internet. We have a basic Facebook page. You can be sure to be like that. And you can also send us suggestions there. But we're much more interactive in our Facebook group. And it's a private group. So you just go to Facebook and type, a, type in, excuse me, book VS movie podcast group and ask to join. And we just ask that whatever the source is, it should be easy for us to get either through the internet or the Libby app or on Kindle. And the movie needs to be on a major streaming app or on YouTube. It can't be a DVD or a VHS that we have to find. 
We're on Twitter and Instagram at book versus a movie. Spell it all out. Please follow us at those places. Please, please, please. And we have an old timey email book versus movie podcast at gmail.com. Send us suggestions there. Or if you would like stickers, please uh, send us your address and we will drop them in the mail for you. And if you really enjoy the show and like to help keep us in books and movies, you can also support us on Patreon. Yes, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We've been doing the show for over eight years now. So we're putting all of our episodes from 2020, excuse me, and then previous to that up there, we just put up Stephen King's Christine. And I want to thank Alicia and Stephanie for just joining us recently for that. We really appreciate it. It just helps us with the books and the movies for you know putting the show together, all that good stuff. So thank you. Alicia and Stephanie and please check your email I sent you a thank you and if you'd like a bookmark or whatever let me know just so you know if money is tight we totally understand that if you could just leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts like good pods thank you so much we've been doing really well in the in good pods we totally appreciate that I always forget about good pods but it's it's good it's a great app (laughs) because the name it's right on the label yeah um (laughs) it's a great app it is a really super, I know. I should have mentioned also, like, we are still looking for ideas for this month of October. We, we should, are still looking for spooky movie ideas. But we don't, but we, we have to make it clear that it, you know, oh, the books yes, the not, can't be too long because we're doing a book every week. And we both love, you know, I'm a huge Stephen King geek, but his books are sometimes super gory, which is not what Margo is into. Like, no Cujo, no Shining. Uh, no. No. Also, he tends to be verbose. We can't take a book that's like 560 no, pages. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're just we just don't have that bandwidth. Right now we're both like super busy. So try to think about the 200 page mark max. You know, if you could think and about that. And it has that. to be something that is easily easy for our listeners to access. So it has to be a streamable movie and it has to be a book that is is either in print or very easy to find like at your local library on the Libby app, What's whatever, all that kind of stuff. Right. And with Spooky Movie Month here, we're open to suggestions in November. Uh, we've done all the major holiday ones and we're going to drop all that in Patreon in December. And then December is going to be Disney. And then we have January, February, March. We just have all these things, months coming up. So please send us your suggestions. And this episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title, appropriately enough, A Ghost in Shining Armor by Therese Beharry. Yes, we've talked about Therese before. She is from South Africa. She follows the hashtag Own Voices, and she's talking about romance. And I love this book. It's a, it's a rom-com, and it's about two sisters, and they... Twinsies. Twinsies who were separated as children. It's a story about adoption and it's about apartheid and and it's about family and culture. And they get back together as adults and how complicated that is. And then on top of that, Gemma is one of the sisters and she's down to earth, but she has this gift of being able to see ghosts. She kind of falls in love with a ghost named Levi. And then Levi has his own things where he saved his sister, but it... It's a whole story on top of a story. 
it's sort of like somebody has said it's like she's this ray of sunshine and he's kind of a grump and she sort of like lightens his life it's very funny she's very popular I want to say Therese Bahare she has a lot of fans I was reading on Goodreads and she's very very popular she's on the Libby app this book is available on the Libby app and you can find her at TerezeBahare.com and also at Therese Bahare on Twitter and we really want to thank them for Kensington Books for sponsoring our show today Yep, and you can find A Ghost in Shining Armor by Therese Perry wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Now, today, we are, we talked about, briefly talked about this movie. What was the other movie we did by this same director a while back? Just recently. The Man Who Fell to Earth. Whew, whew, ouch, that was a heavy lift. Okay. <laughs> that was a pull. It was a while ago. Whew. It was a while ago, um, but we we'll talk about Nicholas Rowe in a little bit. But today we're going to be talking about "Don't Look Now." I had never read this novella. It's by Daphne du Maurier, who we talked about before. But we'll, we'll we'll cover her again. We've done, I think, two of hers before. Yes, we covered Rebecca, and we covered the birds, and I think they're both on our Patreon page. Now, The Birds was based on a short story. Rebecca was her first famous novel. Rebecca, um, excuse me, Daphne du Maurier has a very interesting background. Her family was connected to the theater world. She was born in 1907 in London, England. Her, she was cousins with the boys that were the influence for J.M. Barry, who mm-hmm. created for Peter Pan. For Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Very successful author. She lived in Cornwall, England. That's where she eventually passed away. She was married. She had kids. She was made a dame of the British Empire, but never used it. She was a very quiet person and very kind of closed off, especially when she was in writing mode. Her husband served in the military. They had kind of a fraught relationship at times. After she passed away, it, they uh, she they were the relationships that she had with women that people found out, and maybe that was a part of the reason why she tended to be secretive or or whatever. But this is a story that, um, and she wrote written about the paranormal several times in her life. She had an interest in ghosts. May, May, Rebecca is definitely you know has a element of that in that story, and then you know the birds is actually a scary story. The dogs, the German shepherds downstairs, are certainly terrified right now. You can hear it them. It sounds like Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> They're the biggest dogs ever. Anyway. Wow. Yes. Anyway, so this is a, it's a based on a short story, a collection in 1971. She passed away in 1989, by the way. And it was called Not After Midnight, 1971. And that was the UK version. And when it came to America, it was Don't Look Now and Nicholas Rogue was the person who adapted the story. He was married to the actress Teresa Russell. And that that was later on in when we talked about him, when we talked about the Bowie film. The first story in that collection, you can read it very, very quickly, and it's pretty close to the movie. But in the story that we get, it just starts with you hear about a couple. They're in Venice, Italy. They had a daughter. Her name was Christine, and she had passed away to meningitis, we hear. She was very yes. Young. It was not. It was not an accident. It's meningitis. So it's, it's this has already happened when the story starts. And mm-hmm. don't look now is the very first line of the story. That's that's how it begins. Is the husband says, "Don't look now," but there are two old middle-aged two stra- women, strange women, <laughs> sitting at the other table, and they keep staring at us and giggling. And one of the women, it's well, and, and 
and the wife is uh, Christine and uh, sorry, Laura and Laura is kind of like, oh, well, what are they all about? And he's kind of a grump, the husband. He's an architect mm-hmm. and he's sort of like, oh, what are they doing? And and she's more curious about what they're up to. She gets up to use the bathroom and the ladies go are in the bathroom as well. And she strikes up a conversation with them. And it turns out one of them is blind. And the other one says, you know what? They're, they, they have cognition, ESP. They could talk to ghosts. They see things. The one who's blind can actually see things. There's lots of themes going on here. And I've been, that's the rabbit hole of rabbit holes. <laughs> that's the thing about this book and this movie. movie. The symbolism. Ooh. Think about the symbolism. Yes. Uh, but it's a super good story. Yes. And they say, we can see your daughter. She's wearing a red Mac, which is, I know this from Beatles music. That means a rain slicker, rain jacket. And she's just smiling and and around you. She's okay. Don't worry about her. And the mother starts crying because, of course, they've been, I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm just the pain of losing a child. And their son is named Johnny. The father's named John. Johnny's Mm -hmm. off at school. And so that, yeah, so just just to set the scene, and and this is true in the book and in the movie, they have two children, a boy and a girl, the the husband name is John. So the little boy's name is Johnny. So this is the part that's very like, I guess it's like a British thing in the in the book there, everybody's British. The daughter dies pretty not that long before the story starts. Yeah. And the son, they're just like, put him off in boarding school. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah f off to italy um but okay uh but but the husband of course as we often do in the books versus the movies we get a little bit of kind of everybody's interior thoughts a bit the husband has brought the wife there to italy to kind of get away from things you know new change of scenery and you know let's let's try and you know get connect with each other again which is a great thing and um because the wife has been just destroyed the wife in particular has been really just nothing but sad since since it happened and when the wife comes back from the restroom with the two ladies she's like her old self again she's she's suddenly just you know it's like this thing has lifted and she's like oh my gosh the most amazing thing these women they said they could see our daughter and and, da, da, da. and he immediately wants to like poop all over it right he's doesn't believe in it he's a skeptic he finds it kind of annoying and intrusive he's kind of rude to them about it <laughs> and, and he and he's an architect and they're in venice and he's like oh whatever that can't possibly be true and she kind of develops this friendship with them. She has tea with them. And they say to her, John has the gift. And I couldn't remember through the book or the movie if they meant the husband or the son also has the gift. You know, that's funny. I thought that in the book as well. Um, it's not ambiguous in the book. They just mean the they mean the husband. They, mm-hmm. they, but um, but I to me as a reader, I thought that too. I was like, oh, maybe they're talking about the the son son because I didn't quite remember how the movie went. Um, I forgot that I forgot that the husband has this premonition um, ability as well. Um, but yes, yeah, so they they tell her that her husband also has the gift, although he fights it and denies it and it freaks him out. And so he doesn't, he kind of pushes it down. He doesn't tell people about it, but that he also um, is able to, um, what's the word? He clairvoyant. Clairvoyant, precognition. Yeah. He, can, he, had, he can sense things. And so they're 
having a, a decent time in Venice, but there's also there's a series of murders that are happening around the canals. That's my question. Have you ever been to Venice? You know, I've never been to Venice. I've spent a lot of time in Italy. Um, and actually, the first time I saw this movie um, was in college. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But when I first saw the movie, I didn't speak Italian at all. So I didn't know what they were saying. Um, so it was fun to watch it this time and be able to understand all the Italian. But in all the places I've been to Italy, I, Venice is the one place I've never been that I've always wanted to see. I've, I've never been. It's the only place in Italy I've ever been. Really? Yes. And it was beautiful. Oh, it always looks so amazing. Like we talked favorite, about it when we yeah. talked about one of the James Bond movies took yes. place there. Yes. Um, Spy but, Love uh, Me, I think, or um, I don't remember which yeah. one it was. It was a it was a Daniel Craig one. But um but what a backdrop. I mean, I've read yes. all the Venice books. I've read Death in Venice. I read in it, it always, whenever you read about Venice in fiction, it's just so romantic and and eerie decay and eeriness and yeah so it's a great backdrop so he's like we said he's like he's fighting like not only like this grief and he thinks like he could just take her away and make and the grief will go away it's that stiff upper lip kind of thing we also like this is post-war britain it's also like people are this is just how people manage their grief and the ladies say you should leave because you're in danger you know, you're in danger, girl. You should probably get out of there. And he doesn't want to listen to that. But then they get a call and they find out that Johnny, their son, is ill. There's something wrong with Johnny at the school. And the wife says, I'm going to leave right now. He needs his mother. I'm going to go right now. And he says, OK, I'll go the next day. But you you leave now. So she takes off. And then he thinks he sees her in the in Venice, like on a boat or something, right? So, so this is a little bit different than in the movie, um, and I don't know why. I don't know why that they made this choice in the movie, but um, but as I said, for all their stiff upper lip and everything, when Johnny, when they get the phone call that little Johnny has had an accident, you know they've already lost their other child, right? Exactly. So, um, the husband's response is we need to both go. He, he agrees. We both should go, but there's some problem with their car, like getting their car out of Italy somehow. And so it's decided that the wife will go on the airplane right away and he will follow with the car, um, shortly, just right after her. Mm -hmm. So it's, so they scramble in, you know, it's the middle of the night. So they scrambling to, to get this, um, get her on a plane he sends her off you know he sends her off like in the taxi or whatever to go get on the plane and then a few hours after the plane is supposed to have taken off and as he himself is getting ready to leave he sees a, a boat go by on the canal and she's on it with the two ladies right what's that about and he's like he's screaming her name and he's yelling and he's screaming and he's what's going on are they taking you somewhere are these women kidnapping her what is going on are they have her in a trance he doesn't because know. Because why, why would she be there when her son is injured in an accident and they don't know how he is? Right. Why, that doesn't make any sense. So so he's frantic. He creeps. And he goes to the police. He goes to the police and he and the police are, are they're dealing with a, a murderer. And so they're they're kind of like, well, what can we do? She's you you're know. like, sorry, Mr. English guy, no, you yeah. lost track of your <laughs> wife for two hours. Yeah. Yeah, we'll drop this serial murder and go right after her. Okay. And then he <laughs> and then he funnily enough gets a call from his wife, and it turns out that she's at the school. 
Yeah, the school calls him and says, you know, oh, we're so glad we got you before you left Italy. That turns out the accident was nothing. He's totally fine. Don't worry. By the way, here's your wife. You probably want to talk to her. Put put him on. By the way, we spoil everything in case you haven't told. Yeah. In case you can't tell. Um, we spoil. We will spoil the entire book and movie. If you have not read it or seen the movie and you want don't want to know what happens, this is the place to pause. Yes. So the school's like, hey, your wife's right here. You probably want to talk to her. And she gets on. She's like, oh, hey, isn't it great? He's fine. And he's like, what's going on? And she's like, okay, I'm coming back. Don't worry. He's fine, though. So he goes back to the police. Yes. To say, hey, I'm really sorry. You know, my my wife is okay. And And then for some reason, the sisters were picked up by the police because of the murders and everything that are happening. No, no. When he went to the police, that's right. When he goes to the right. police the first time, he's like, my wife has been kidnapped by, by these, these two sisters. crazy ladies. You got it. And he describes them. And they and the police go out and, and they get these two ladies and they haul them in for questioning about his wife. And they're like, what? The ladies don't know what's going on. I'm and blind. What can I do to her? Yeah. yeah. And again, so he has the decency. And this happens in the movie, too. He has the decency to go back and say, oh, my gosh, I made a mistake. I am so sorry. I got to help me. I'm going to make this right for these two ladies. I can't believe I did this. Sorry, 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 everybody. Um, back to catching the serial killer i'll just yeah, get you, out of your hair now <laughs> and he takes her back to the pension is that how you pronounce it pensione pensione uh, yeah it's like a an inn and she and the, as they're there she goes into a trance to talk to him and this sort of freaks him out and so he leaves the pensione and as he leaves he sees a, a little person that he thinks is a little person in like a little child's hat right like a cute cute little kitty hat a child like a little girl would wear um he's he's like yeah a little a little tiny figure with this little child's pixie hat it's called that he thinks is his daughter is yeah is scrambling around at night scrambling around the canals and seems to be running from something and then she he sees a dark figure is chasing the little figure in the hat and he's like oh no this child is in trouble you know and he also had tried no in the movie he this is true not in the book but 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 he must have feelings about like wanting to save of course he does have this impulse as a father of uh you know so he's like oh my gosh i gotta help this kid and and um so he's chasing her as well but to try to help her right and he might also be in a trance still like from being from, yeah from we don't sisters. know we don't know we don't know what no. kind of state he's in but he's like desperate and so he follows her around and then they get into this um building and then he he locks it from the inside so she can't get out to uh, keep them safe he thinks he thinks to keep them safe yeah. And that's when the the little it's a little person that turns around, and it's a a middle aged like little person, little woman, little yeah. woman, who yeah, stabs him in the throat, and she's the one that's been killing all the people. She's the serial killer, right? Yeah. And as he's dying, he's like, "Oh, I see. What I saw it hasn't happened yet. What I saw was." my wife coming back and she and the two ladies are at my funeral. And that's, that was the vision that I saw. I didn't actually see that happening. It was a premonition. Oh, I see now I have the gift. And then he dies. Yeah. That's the story. (laughs) That's the end. And there's other stories in there, but you didn't, you know, it's, and it's super easily available. I was on the Libby app and it's on audible. Oh, you can get it anywhere, anywhere, anywhere for free. It's so well-written. Yeah. And, and she, it, it grabs you right away. Yes. And I just want to, like, just to note, she's such a masterful writer. But what was the first one we did? Rebecca. Rebecca is 1938. Yeah. 
And this is 1971. <laughs> so, and the birds is in between there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's so, because uh, it reads like a, like a late 60s kind of a story. You know, the wife, the wife in um, Don't Look Now is not the kind of a wife that the wife in Rebecca is at all. A completely different dynamic between the wife and the husband in those two stories over these decades. Um, You know, he, although the husband is, it's not that he's dismissive of her because she's a woman in Don't Look Now. He's dismissive of her because he's scared, because what she's saying is scaring him. Right. And um and so that's why he's his immediate impulse is to be like, Don't be silly, don't be ridiculous. Da, 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 da. Um when he's the one who's been having all kinds of crazy premonitions right, left, and center. And he can't uh, admit so, that. And he can't admit that. So right. um, but it's not about the fact that she's the little woman, which I think is really interesting. But you're right, that's um, a good point to make because yeah. in Rebecca that was like it's it's it was tough, all that. It's a tough watch it's about sometimes that. because she's so wimpy in comparison mm-hmm. because she's so just like she's so helpless, so helpless. And what can mm-hmm. I do? And I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to jump out this window because, you know, I could be talked into anything, whereas this wife is much stronger. Uh, but we'll talk about her. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Nicholas Rogue then is our director in this story. It's 1973. I, I super love this movie. It's it's one of the top horror movies of all time. Yes. It's it's one of the best, best British films. It's like number eight mm-hmm. of the best British films of all time. Should we play the trailer? Let's take a quick break and then we'll play the trailer and we'll talk about the adaptation for Don't Look Now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
my sister's psychic. She wants you to know. I've seen her. And she wants you to know that she's happy. Christine. John, do you hear what I say? It was Christine. My daughter is dead, Laura. She does not come peeping with messages back from behind the grave. Yes. Christine is dead. Yes. She is dead. Yes. Dead, 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 dead. <laughs> What is it, Mr. Baxter? What is it you fear? My, my wife was warned that, that I was in danger. So this movie came. Uh, this movie came out when I was not quite three months old. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little older, but <laughs> so I had never heard of it until I watched it. I had to watch it in college in a in a film class in college, and I loved it. I thought it was like I was just blown away by this movie. Of course, I was in my teens, and so as I say, the symbolism, right? Uh, but <laughs> but it, I was amazed how well it holds up. It really does. There's so much going on here. I mean, first you have, I mean, so Nicholas Rogue, he does, he's such an interesting director. He was a cinematographer yeah. before this. He One of his biggest projects. You can was, really tell. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah. Fahrenheit 451 was one of his big projects uh, in the 60s before this. He was married, like I said, to Teresa Russell. He's, she, what was his other films? He, um, of course, The Man Who Fell to Earth, which we talked about before. Yep walkabout the witches which yes. i love that's one we might consider doing yeah yeah sure let's see what else do we have here some short stories like uh, hotel paradise which was quite a well-known um one he did quite a lot of television as well including i believe i think it was him hold on yeah 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 made for television heart of darkness with john malkovich oh that's him that's him too he's kind of an avant-garde yeah person mm -hmm. yeah so our, our leads here are it's julie christie who gets the and oh my god is she beautiful she's oh, she's one of these actors who is so 
ethereally oh pretty God. that you almost don't notice how good of an actor she is. Yeah. Because it's almost distracting. You just caught, you're like, every time she's on screen, you're like, wow, she's so pretty. Wow, she even in that, she's so pretty. Oh, look, even from this angle, she's pretty. Oh, look, even in that towel, she's pretty. Like every, everything. <laughs> every outfit she's wearing. And 1973 is not a great year for fashion. And I know, but I love the wardrobe stunning. in this Stunning. She's gorgeous oh my goodness i want her coat i want the Those, whole thing okay so it's donald sutherland is john baxter it's hillary mason and uh clelia mantania i it's that's an l in there so it's heather and wendy are the sisters fantastic the the psychic sisters that sit the nearby. cast is awesome they're yeah. they are an awesome cast they begin the movie and this is also like when they talk about the horror what they talk about is the way that she dies is is christine dies is that she drowns and it's terrible the way they because they set it up and it's just so much anxiety the parents are inside the house she, yeah she's playing that's not in the book at all by the no, way no she no none of that is in the book it's obviously she was sick this isn't a thing where the parents are in the house. They're just doing their thing. You know, they're both and they're she's out playing with her brother, Johnny. And it's you have to watch the movie a few times. And then you're kind of like, oh, did Johnny have something to do and we with need this? To- <laughs> <laughs> but we also need to talk about like one of the this movie is so brilliant for so many reasons. The cinematography, the art direction, the sound design. That's what I wanted to say too, except there's oh all these clips gosh, that I have. In this movie. Oh my the God. The whole thing where she's walking and she's got the little like G.I. Joe doll that talks. Yeah. That whole element is very ominous. Yeah, so you have this, but the but the scene inside the house of the couple, the children are outside playing, the couple are inside, and this is very just mundane, it's Sunday afternoon, and we're just, you know, hanging out, catching up on crap like you do. What's the matter?
Julie Christie says, uh, she's like, oh, he's like, what are you doing? She says, oh, I'm looking up something Christine asked me about. She wanted to know why, um, if the earth is round, why are ponds flat? Donald Sutherland says, oh, no, well, nothing's that as it seems. And he runs out of the house. He suddenly, like, runs out to the pond. Like, he has this impetus to run outside. Yeah. I saw this interview with Nicholas Rogue, and he said that um, they shot that scene, like, 50 times. Because, which seems really weird, right? But it's because he said he, because he had made the mistake of saying to Donald Sutherland, like, she's going to say, you know, why are the, why is the pond flat and the earth is round? And then you're going to say the premise of the movie. Which is nothing is as it seems. Okay. And he said they did all these takes where it was like nothing is as it seems. <laughs> nothing. And they're like all these different ways of saying the premise. You of the can whole movie. say it fifty different ways. Yeah. <laughs> but they picked. I, they picked a great one, which is he just because he's saying it distractedly because he's he's got this inkling that something is very wrong outside, but he doesn't want to worry his wife because he doesn't have any thing to base this inkling on so he feels kind of weird about it this is again his like pushing down that he's he a has practical this man he yes. doesn't right, he doesn't believe in intuition he doesn't believe in any of that stuff like she's totally in on that but he's not yeah yeah, yeah. but he gets um, a bad feeling yes and he runs out and he's too late and i mean it's it is such a sad oh my gosh is it a sad um sequence. you're not expecting I mean, you, it it's the first you're not expecting minutes. it and it's like, yeah, a little kid There's does no not die. Anything is wrong, right? Yeah. And that happens in the first. And she's a beautiful child. It's oh, just yeah. not something you don't you see expect. her fall in. Mm-mm. You don't see anything. She you doesn't just see cry him out. get this like, like, mm, I better go out there. And it's too late. By then, yeah. it's too late. There's no like struggle. She doesn't cry out. There's no like bubbles or anything like coming from. I mean, she's just gone. So by the time he gets to her, he, he you know, he's trying to do mouth to mouth and anything, but it's all, it's all just too late. And then the next scene is they're heading to Venice. So it already like, and the symbolism, they go from this pond, this, and then it's raining, pure, yeah. huge raining. And then they go mm-hmm. to a place that's a lot surrounded of water. by water. Venice yeah. is surrounded by I water. I know. But they set it up and I, and I like that they set it up this way in the movie. That because in the book they're 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 kind of on a quote unquote vacation. You know they're really just getting there for a change of scenery because she didn't drown in the book. In the book she had a disease, so right. it's not so like if she had to be like, why are you taking her to Venice? Uh, but but that's not a thing in the book. In the movie they set it up in that first scene. As I said, the wife is is looking up this thing in the encyclopedia like we used to do back in the day. And the husband is already – he's working on some kind of preliminary stuff for this trip to Venice because he's got this big restoration project that he's going to – he's supposed to travel to Venice to work on. And so he's looking at slides of this church where um, where he's going to be working, and that's where we see the first little glimpse of the little red cap. And he we see him seeing the little the little red cap sitting in the in the pew in one of these slides, and he's like, "Huh, well, that's kind of interesting." After the te- very dramatic um, you know death scene of the daughter, they're they're going off to Venice. You don't see them like make the decision of should I go. Mm, you know, you just assume like, oh, he just decided like maybe this is the best thing is to try to keep keep things moving send Johnny back to school and there they are in Venice and she's helping him with his work there as well. Yeah. And why, and they're keeping each other company and it's just makes sense to like, let's just look Venice will cure you. <laughs> I mean, Venice is a good distraction. Trust me. I've been there. And it's, it's cool that he has, that he's so again, the symbolism, right? right. So 
So he's his what's his job in Venice? His job in Venice is to put things back together again that are inevitably going to decay and fall apart. Like in Ven- it's like building a sandcastle, you know, because it, it, the water is just going to take everything away eventually, which is the theme of everything about Venice always. And um, but there they are in Venice and he's restoring this church and, and he's working under the auspices of this bishop. And it's nice because it, it has them in Venice for an extended period of time, whereas in the in the book, everything kind of happens sort of within 48 hours. It, it all kind of happens really fast. So I like that. I like that we see him, his relationship with the bishop. I like that we see his relationship with the workers. There's a very funny, and I didn't realize that none of the Italian was um, captioned. No. But um, but it's not. So um, for those of you who don't speak Italian. Yeah, I didn't um, know you spoke Italian. A, I do a little bit, yeah. So there's this a lot, there's this kind of running, there's a lot of very kind of comedic stuff with the Italians that he encounters, particularly in the hotel. So the hotel where he and his wife, so we're, we, we figure out that he and his wife have been staying in this hotel for probably like at least a month, like an extended period of time. They've been there for a while. And, um, the it's a it's a it's a I think it's also a pensione that it has a restaurant and a hotel right so the owner of the hotel every time he sees them is like oh are you going to be dining with us tonight like oh are you going to be so you're going to be dining with us tonight and every time he's like oh no thanks oh no no you know he's not realizing like oh we should probably be dining here you know at least at some point and the first time that he turns the guy down in the hotel, the hotel owner, as soon as they're out of earshot, the hotel owner turns to his his worker and is like, oh, Mr. Big Shot, you know, too good to eat at my hotel, basically. And then so the whole rest of the movie, you, when you see him go like, hey, are you going to eat here tonight? And the guy's like, no, sorry. Like, basically, we're going someplace good, you know, oh, every single wow. time. It's very funny. And then it's it's – so it's hilarious then when he – when he th- thinks that he has seen his wife and the first place he goes is back to the hotel, which is now closed for the wintertime. And like this guy's been nothing but a pain in the hotel owner's butt. And like now he's like knocking on the door when the hotel's not even open. And you're bothering me about what now? Because you lost again because you sorry, Mr. Englishman, you lost sight of your wife for three hours. Like big problem. <laughs> you know, let me break out the violins. Um, so there's a lot of like fun banter with the Italians throughout the movie like that. That's really, that again, gives it a little, gives it a little bit of levity. It needs it because it's, it could be, it could be tough. It gets real heavy. It gets <laughs> yeah. real heavy. They go to, they have lunch or dinner at the restaurant and we see the sisters sitting nearby and Julie Christie goes to the restroom and she sees them in there. And one of them is blind and the other one has something stuck in her eye. And Julie Christie says, oh, well, I'll help you. Very nice gesture. And it's a very intimate thing to like go dig into somebody's eye to help them out. And that's when they tell her we see Christine and she's completely, oh, you see her? And there's, yes, she's wearing the red Mac, the color red, very important in this movie. It's a marker of all kinds of things to come. And she's incredibly pleased by it. She goes back to her table and tells her husband and he's like, what are you talking about? That's 
ridiculous. Also, breaking glass is a big thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when she goes back to the table and she wants... Again, the sound. There's the a lot of sound sound of stuff. the breaking and the mm-hmm. crunching of the glass. So she tells him, and then as, she, as she's about to leave again, she falls on the, on the table, the table tips over... He's somebody like, also, she says, like, I want to go to this church. I want to light a candle for our daughter. He's like, who cares about religion? This I hate this yeah, church. I hate this church. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Like, she's very patient he's with him. He's such a grump. He's such a grump. She really, like, is very patient with him. But, but it's, it's also that, you know, both of them have suffered this massive yes. loss, right? And even today in 2022, and and I like that he's an American too. I like the, mm-hmm. the choice to make him American, um, because Americans, I feel Americans in particular, and all, Americans and British people, in my experience, and maybe I'm wrong. We have a lot of listeners in in the UK mm-hmm. don't have the um, the um, what we would today call the emotional tools with which to you know we just just culturally we don't especially in the u.s i'll just speak for the u.s in the u.s like we just we act like it doesn't happen and like you're just supposed to you're just supposed to act like it doesn't happen and and when it does happen then you just you just keep pushing right through you know just power through everything right and um never stop and like process anything god forbid you should actually feel sad for a day or two um so he is he is not able at all to process you know, his grief, let alone the fact that he has second sight, you know, so he's really, he's really struggling. And again, like in the book, his, his impulse is to just like shut it all out and shut her down, like right away, even if it hurts her. (laughs) Right. You're being silly. Whereas she, who also doesn't have a lot of emotional tools, like as in the book, she, when the, when the, when the two women give her this news about her daughter she's like again it's like this thing has been lifted off of her she's she's really it's really helping her it's really helping her deal with her grief she's not losing her grip she's she's gaining her grip she's Mm -hmm. she's finally able to like see a light see a crack through which she might be able to continue to live and he's just not he's so far so many steps behind from that that he's just like you know he's just like a caveman just like shutting everything down and and bad mouthing this this church that never did anything to him she's <laughs> she's comforted by it yeah she's not bothered by it she's comforted by the thought of it not even as a reality, but just as a thought, it doesn't bother her. She's comforted by it, where he's just a big grump about it. And then at one point, she says, I'd like to light a candle. Can I have a coin? Like, it's like 50 cents or something. He's like, I don't have a coin. Come on. Like, anyway. But they're they're bickering, and, and couples do bicker. And, and also, when you're under stress, little things will just bother you. So there's a scene in the movie that's very, very famous, and it's uh, notorious, I would say. And that's another thing, like, people watch it. It's a sex scene, and it's a very uh, long graphic. Yeah, well, as in, as in, uh, if you may recall, as in the man who fell to earth. Yes, you're right. It's not unlike that. Yeah. Um, and actually, similarly to that, as I recall, if I'm remembering the movie correctly, similarly to that, in that movie as well, they have this long, long sex scene, and but it's the last time that they're together. It's the last time that they connect with each other in I, that very deep connective yeah. way. Well, it's one way that, yeah, because, and he said he put it in there because they, they said, other than that, they're just sad or they're arguing with each other the whole time. So they wanted them to have a place where a space where they just, they're happy. They're connecting. Which like I think is the right move. Yeah. You know, and again, I, I, 
for all of the hullabaloo about this scene, I mean, yeah, I know. I was I, again. I watched it in college. I was like, what are like eighteen, nineteen, watching it in college in a room full of other college kids. None of us were the least bit phased by this scene. No, but, but yeah, yeah, not at all. Yeah, it's something that even to this day, like the the stars get asked about it, and supposedly Julie Christie was dating Warren Beatty. At the time that she made this movie and he supposedly punched Nicholas Rogue in the nose because he was so upset. And it's like, it makes sense for the story. It does. And she's an adult. She can make her own choices. uh, Yeah. She's healing. You know, she's, she's probably, you know, I don't know, but, but she's, she is feeling better. And in her being in a better space than he is, she is able to reach out to him right. and, you know, and help him in this way. And they're connecting in this way. Like I said, very similarly to the man who fell to earth where they have this deep relationship and they are expressing it in this way, this one last, which turns out to be this one last time. Yeah. And they're married and like, yeah, of course it's a totally, they're married. Yeah. It's not a big, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, he didn't like, conquer over the head and no. next to a canal and drag her into the hotel for no sake. and there is a scene where you know like we said there is a killer in the in the vicinity that's killing people in the canals and there's one point where we see there's a woman being picked up in the water and yeah. he watches it and watches this and like and she's older she looks like she's in her teens or 20s mm-hmm. that's being pulled yes. from the water yeah. and he's watching it and it's reminding him of his own daughter that drowned but he doesn't look away because i think he's just maybe too much in shock or too uh, just processing it yeah but he sees a red jacket when he's around it, or he prophesizes it or he's just it's a it's a vision that he gets he doesn't know if he's really seeing it or not at right. this point yeah once he's not he's not taking in his gifts and she decides like she's going to go to a seance with the sisters and they say we can't promise anything. You know, it's just a gift from God. I would never ask God to give me something with us. He wanted to that kind of thing. But they tell her uh, that, you know, they warn her that they, they should leave, that something's going to happen with John. Like John has a gift and that they should leave. And she's telling John this and John's like, oh, this sounds ridiculous. This is once again, he's, he's being it's skeptical. Like, why would I leave? I'm in the middle of this project I've been working on for all this time and we came all this way. Why would I leave? He has his own visions and he's hearing things that are auditory things like breaking glass and he's noticing the color red. There's certain things that are happening, but that's also giving him pause, but he's also ignoring them. He's not listening to them. So they get this call and it's because it's their son. So go ahead. This cracks me up. So the son call the son's school calls them at the hotel in the middle of the night and there's this exchange about like, oh, we're so sorry. What time is it there? Okay, the time difference between Venice and London, like an hour. I think it's an hour, if anything. <laughs> it's so silly. Yeah, they're like, oh, so sorry. Sorry to bother <laughs> we you. We forgot about the time difference but of an the, hour. <laughs> in the movie, he was like hit in the head or something. Like he has a big yeah. Music. He has yeah, a, and so they're worried about a concussion or they're worried about brain damage or something, but they're like really worried about him, especially when he wakes up, like what's going to happen. And so she's like, I got to be there right now. I'm his mother. And he says, okay, I'll follow you. And he puts her on a boat to take her to the train, to take her back to London. And she's like, bye and takes off. And then, he, and she gets to the school. She gets there like, you're not going to believe this. 
he's fine. Amazing. <laughs> and she's like, he's totally fine. That's great. And just looks through a window, like waving at her kid. And then she turns around and goes to the office to talk to them. Doesn't even say hi to her son. <laughs> Does- okay. Okay. So yeah, she's gone all the way back. And again, like she's, they've just lost their other child. She has just lost her daughter. Her son has just lost his sister. And the, the principal or the headmaster's like, Oh, do you want to say goodbye to your son before you go back to Italy? And she's like, nah, we already saw each other. And then everybody's like, okay, what? <laughs> just, just like, oh my God. And in the meantime, he thinks he saw her with the, the sisters. And so he goes to the police station and they're, and they're saying to him like, what, what are you asking us to do? We have this whole... You know, and and he's getting a reputation for being a pain in the butt, and, and yeah, and, and being because he's grouchy all the time. He's grouchy and all the demanding time, and, and demanding, and he's got a problem with the church. He's got a problem with the workers, and he's like, he's just a grouse, a grousy guy. But then the wife comes back, and then he, so he has to go and apologize, and then he lets the sisters out, and he goes to the pension, pensione, excuse me, and that's he sees the red jacket again and the hood. And he thinks it's Christine. And so he's going, and it's beautifully shot. It's gorgeous. It's Venice at night with these canals. It's just, it's, you will never forget the, I mean, the cinematography in this movie is so, you just, I mean, I just, I was surprised how well I remembered it. Yeah. After all these years. I forgot. There's a whole scene where he thinks he predicts his death. And he's also doesn't want to t- say this out loud. Like he, he predicts, he knows something bad is going to happen, but he's fighting against it. And then at one point he's doing this uh, oh, s- yeah. ceiling work or something, but he's on this. He's way up on a scaffold. scaffolding. Yeah. And then he almost falls. And apparently they gave him this wire, Donald Sutherland. And then mm. one of the stunt guys who wouldn't do it because he didn't think it was safe enough. It looked so scary. They said to him when he was done, you're lucky you didn't fall. Donald Sutherland's up there. You could hear him screaming for real. Like, oh and the, the sound work in this movie is it's amazing. Spectacular. It's amazing. But yeah, I love that scene because that's another one where like he's his character. He's so he's he there. He and this worker are placing a statue like way up high, like in a niche in front of this church or maybe even inside the church. And he's being such a D.I.C.K. to this worker. <laughs> And he, you know, he's like, no, more this way. 
And so the worker's like, okay. And so he's like, no, more the other way. And he's like, okay. And he's being such a jerk. And, um, and, and basically like, no, I'm going to do it myself, you know? And then and that's then when the, that's <laughs> when it happens and they save him. And then he has to kind of eat crow and say, I'm so sorry. And you saved my life. And okay. And then I think in his head, he thinks maybe that was the thing. I wouldn't you, I, I would, would too. think that I was like, Phew. okay. And then the wife goes and it turns out the son's okay. And he's okay. And he gets the sisters out and they do some sort of seance, kind of weird seance thing. He thinks he sees Christine. So now he's like, well, I'll see Christine. Maybe I'll see her like the, they saw her. Right. And that'll be right. my whatever. And I'll get my, uh, be enlightened. I'll, I'll be, whatever. I'll be, I'll be, I'll this burden lifted off to me. Like my right. wife has. Yeah. He locks her, locks in with her. And then it turns around and it's this little person who's a woman, an older woman, and she takes out a knife and just hacks him across the throat. And then as she hacks him, it's this blood splurting. And there's all kinds of images of blood splurting across mm-hmm. frames because he has all these slides that he has. So it's always throughout the movie, the, the color red. Mm-hmm. And so this blood is spurting. It, there's a shot of it spilling on the floor outside. And there's these shots of him with his wife, you know, good times, you know, bad times. His whole wife is flashing before him. And his future is flashing before him as well. Right. It's okay. It's okay. I'm a friend. I won't hurt you. Come on. Darlings. And then we get so that's it's terribly sad and it's creepy. And then we get to the very last scene and it's the two sisters and his wife. They're all in black and they're in these boats and they are going to bury him. It's the vision that he saw, except his son is there with a red in, hat at that point with a red hat on and uh, stripes uh, on his red tie. Mm-hmm. And they're putting him to a church. They're burying him at a church and it's all these flowers. And she has a smile on her face. Is she smiling? Not because he's dead, but maybe because his spirit is free, or maybe she. Yeah, has we, don't, now. we don't. We don't know. know. You know, she's, she's. She's maybe she's pregnant. She seems very peaceful. Yes, yeah, she could be pregnant. We don't know. We don't know. Oh, although there, yeah, there is a moment where one of the sisters says to her, like, "Oh, you know, you could have more kids after you lost this other. You know, you lost your daughter. That's terrible. But there's still time for you to have more kids if you want to have more kids." So there's the theory there 
that's the end of the movie, by the way. Um, there's a theory that I saw online, and I think it makes total sense that Johnny, the son, killed the daughter. I think he did. And there's all kinds of clues at the top. Uh, that he, And he looks like an evil kid. Like He's like auditioning for Omen that's happening in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> It does sort of, if you go back and watch it, it does sort of seem like, because again, we don't know how she gets in the water. Nobody knows how she There's, got in the water. He's out there with her. And when the father runs out, he's like dicking around with his bike. Like, oh, hey, he's playing with there? a piece of glass that has blood on it. And he puts the glass in his mouth or a finger in his mouth with blood on it. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. And then when he's on the boat with the sisters and his mom, like a, towards the funeral for his dad, he kind of has a weird look on his face. So it's, it's, yeah, it, there, there's many ways you could look at it. But there's like, it's the use of the sound. It's the color red. Julie Christie has these red boots that I'm like, oh my God, those are great boots. But that jacket, she wore that suit with the herringbone. I mean, it's gorgeous. She's it's so beautiful. Absolutely, she's so beautiful in this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to take. It's really, it's really, the, the locations are great. The acting is great by everybody. It's Venice off season is just really interesting. It's, it is. And, and, and you really buy them as a couple. Yep. You, yeah, you really buy that they have this history and this, you know, that they're, they really love each other, even if they're not on the same kind of emotional plane all the time. It's so good. It's super mm -hmm. good. I can't believe how well it holds up. It's considered like one of the top UK films of all time. It's one of the top horror movies of all time. There's so much it's you can It's a movie read that gets it. referenced all mm -hmm. the time and lots of other stuff. Yeah. It's great editing. It's great sound design. <laughs> Is that your puppy? Yes, yeah, she just scared me to death. <laughs> so between the book and the movie. Oh, I have to go with the movie. I really like the yeah. choices that are made. The book is excellent. Excellent writing. Like I said, it instantly grabs you. Mm -hmm. It's so, you know, it's not a long read at all. Uh, you could totally read it in one sitting. Mm -hmm. It's very, what do I want to say? She's so selective about the information that she's giving you in the story and and when and how and um she's not it's there's nothing extra there at all and it's and yet you're just like riveted from start to finish it's fantastic but i really love all of the choice i can't think of a single choice that that nicholas rogue made in this movie you know that's different from the book that i disagree with i think i love that I, I I love that it's that the daughter's death is unexpected. Yeah, I think works really well for the movie. I love the, the having that whole scene at the beginning is so important. It sets up everything that's going to happen without hitting you over the head with it. Mm -hmm. Nothing is as it seems. Of course, the scenery. I mean, the whole thing. And I um, yeah, it just it's so well put together and. All of the extra stuff that he put in there just really adds to the story. I love the policeman mm -hmm. 